Whether you lose money and that real estate deal or not has nothing to do with your policy. That has everything to do with you and that investment. So by funneling it through a policy and say you had a policy loan, well, yeah, you could still just make the interest payments and now you have a windfall room or maybe another refinance or other income you have coming in that you can kind of funnel back to pay back that policy loan. And you have a place where you can have tax-free, a uh, secure place for your uh, creditor-protected cash. What's going on, guys? This is the Passive Wealth Strategy Show. Thank you for tuning in. Today, our guest is Harper Jones from Create Tailwind. Today, we're talking about the infinite banking concept. And you may or may not have heard about this before. It's an interesting way to use life insurance and the cash value in life insurance to potentially amplify some of your returns and prepare for the future while investing in real estate or whatever else you want to invest that cash value in. It's interesting. It's a little complicated just to forewarn you, but that doesn't mean it's not worth learning about and considering. It's definitely, I think, worth learning about and considering. Harper has a really awesome offer for you. If you are interested in this concept and want to learn more, he has an offer that you may be interested in within this interview. Just got to keep listening hear about what the offer is and see if you're interested. I'm taking him up on uh, on it myself and looking forward to learning more. And I think you may be interested as well. I'll let you tune in and learn about what that is. If you're new to the show and you're not yet subscribed, take a second, go to your favorite podcatching app, look up the Passive Wealth Strategy Show, give us a subscribe, and that way you'll get every new episode of the Passive Wealth Strategy Show straight to your mobile device as they come live. If you are new as well and you're an Apple user and you enjoy the show, please take a quick second, go to the Apple Podcast app, give us a rating and review. That helps other people learn about the show. It helps us get higher in the rankings in the Apple Podcast ecosphere. It helps me feel great because I love reading all the nice things you guys have to say on all of those rating and reviews. And if you do enjoy it, five stars are much appreciated. Thanks so much for considering that. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. I'm a real estate investor. I'm a real estate syndicator. I buy real estate with passive investors and split the return. Like I said, the infinite banking concept, it is a little complicated, but it also works. And it works for a lot of people out there who are using it. So you're, you're, you stand to learn quite a bit today. Maybe this will work for you. And if you're curious, you can engage further with Harper, learn more, take, it, take advantage, take him up on his offer learn more about whether or not it's the right fit for you. Without any further ado, here we go with Harper Jones from Create Tailwind. Harper, thank you for joining us today. Yeah, no, thanks for having me. Excited to, uh, you know, talk talk shop here about uh, real estate and some infinite banking. So oh, yeah. and kind of have a good conversation and maybe we'll get some live comments. I don't know. <laughs> maybe, like he said, we're, we're live streaming on YouTube in addition to the podcast recording, which uh, is where most people are going to be hearing us. So for those out there who don't know about your background, can you tell us a bit about what you do so we can you know have some context before we kind of get into the, uh, the bulk of conversation today? Yeah, sure. So I got started in real estate maybe four or five years ago. Ventured into wholesaling, where you're kind of just bird dogging uh, real estate investment properties for the most part. 
whether that is uh, assignment of contract where you're kind of flipping the paper or you take title on the property and then resell it very quickly. It could be same day, same hour, within a couple of days. And typically you wouldn't be doing any work. By doing that, you're able to build up some capital. So uh, me and a partner or in, in two, three, you know, I'd come together and bought some, you know, rentals, probably 18, 24 months in, a seven unit, a six unit, a 35 unit and a 20 unit and some other stuff we bought and sold along the way and, and still continue to wholesale. Uh, we've done a lot of A to Z transactions with those. Uh, we haven't done like an actual syndication. We just took on a couple partners when we took on like that $2 million property. We need like 700 grand. So we put in a couple hundred and then we had a couple people who we knew really well, tossed in a couple hundred as well. And then did that one kind of full cycle, which was, was nice to kind of, you know, see the whole process. Um, then about two years ago, I had to start really diving in and got passionate into something called the infinite banking concept, which Nelson Nash, who wrote Becoming Your Own Banker, it's a book kind of discovered uh, this concept where you utilize specially designed whole life insurance contracts is kind of a place for your savings and kind of your checking account, your house of wealth. And you can kind of use that as an asset or a vehicle or your foundation and framework that now you can use alongside your investments in your day to day. So now what I do is I'll place my capital and rentals, do some real estate flips like wholesales, things like that as they come along. But I've gotten better to outsource to have third-party management, so I have more time. And my main day-to-day is coaching people on how to utilize these policies, and we also set those up for people. So hopefully that's a um, decent background and gives enough, I guess, feedback for people kind of seeing you know, where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the infinite banking concept, and we've, we've covered it on the show before, but I don't want to make too many assumptions about you know, what folks out there you know, have, have heard about it or not. So can you tell us, give us like a high-level overview of how that works in it for an investor, like how you get the capital in, take it all out, do a deal and all that great stuff. Yeah, sure. So when you're talking about infinite banking concept, we're going to focus on, you know, that's being a process. So it's, it's just like banking. So when you think of banking, think of a brick and mortar bank like Wells Fargo, you know, Bank of America, some bank like that. What they're going to do is they're going to take on uh, deposits, right? They're going to loan out those deposits and then they're going to get paid back. Money is going to keep flowing back to them in the form of you know interest payments, right? And then they're going to have to pay interest to the deposit holders. And then they would make the difference, which would be you know the shareholders who are in the profits or the, the dividends, right? And then the depositor is going to get that interest on the deposits, right? So what they're doing is practicing a process. When they're practicing that banking process, they're going to get a, a couple things. One of it is the velocity of money. When those payments come in, you know, they'll have it from multiple uh, deals that they've loaned out on. They're not just going to sit those dollars back down. They're going to reloan those dollars back out, right? And then they also get to participate in something called volume of interest. Since it's not a simple interest, typically, you know, a loan they give, it's going to be amortized over a period of time. Well, it's going to be top heavy volume of interest. So then they get to participate in that. So let's say, you have a loan for five, seven years, and then you refinance. Most people do it before then, not even factoring in the other refinance costs, origination fee, closing costs, things like that. Every dollar that you pay, even if it's like 4% interest over that period, is going to be like north of 50% that you paid in those amount of those dollars to interest versus principal. And that's part of the banker's trick or savvy or whatever you want to say. So what we're going to do is we're going to take that same process because that's not a product, that's a process. And we're going to start practicing that ourselves. So we're going to have our money or our wealth sit somewhere, right? Most likely in someone else's bank, which would be a checking or savings account. 
we're going to start flowing just like there's money flowing from a checking and savings account and out from point A to point B. We're just going to place a specially designed whole life insurance contract between point A and point B and use that as a place to store our capital and our money before we deploy it out. And then those dollars come back to us, right? By doing that, and we, you know, us leveraging a whole life insurance contract, we're going to get a benefits of that platform or that product. Right. So right now we're not practicing, we're not talking about the, the process of banking or IBC yet. When I say IBC is short for infinite banking concept, but we're talking about the product or platform that we need to use to practice IBC. Because when you're practicing IBC, you could do it with a hole in your backyard. You could do it with a cookie jar. You could do it with a CD. You could do it with a bank account, but the best platform and product to use is going to be a whole life insurance contract designed properly with a mutual insurance company. So we'll design that. We'll set up properly for for the person, right, and what they're looking for and start funneling our our capital through there in the form of premiums. Those premiums are going to give us something which is going to call cash value. And that cash value is going to grow uninterrupted, income tax-free, guaranteed. While that's happening, we also have our death benefit, right, that's going to be, you know, compounding and growing over the years, which will also, most of the time, pass income tax for your beneficiaries, plus your illness protection. Uh, and then you have other, you know, security where, you know, you're not filing 1099 with the IRS. Typically, you're not creditors. It's harder for them to get to it, right? So it's a good safe place off the radar. Now, kind of think of a T-chart or a ledger. So like assets and liabilities and credits and debits. Once your capital is sitting in the policy, right, kind of your warehouse of wealth, what we'll do is we're going to get a line of credit against that policy from the insurance company in the form of a policy loan, and then use those proceeds, which is OPM, other people's money, and then go invest that passively in real estate deals, actively, or you could use it to buy a car or even pay your taxes. By doing that, you get all the benefits of the policy and you get whatever is on the right side of the ledger. And then between those two sides of the ledger, where the money's flowing back and forth, that is infinite banking. And that is what we coach uh, at Create Tailwind and how to use that and how it can benefit people in their life. Okay. So in uh, first question really is you, you know, you get the, the policy, presumably there's, uh, I'm pretty sure there's like some upfront amount that you need to put in to obtain the policy. And then there's some amount of time until that cash value becomes accessible. Um, is that correct? And if so, like, what are those times and amounts typically look like? Yeah, sure. So it's going to depend on the company, the policy, and a couple other variables. But typically, what's going to occur, at least with the companies that we're using, is you know you start funding the policy. What you fund when you're looking at kind of the math of your cash value year one and then the years further on. We typically will give like a round number or something, but you could take that percentage and use whatever number you want because it's going to be very similar. It'll change a little bit, but very similar. And if you go to our YouTube channel, and I could send you this for the show notes, but it would be a create tailwind, type that in on YouTube, and then the life insurance efficiency spectrum. And it's going to be a visual about a seven minutes long on how and why we design the policy, right? The policy design of it. And you'll kind of understand you can kind of take those percentages and use those and apply it for your own numbers. But I normally don't talk about specific numbers to people, more just an example, until they have the education down. And part of the education is going to be reading Becoming Your Own Banker by Nelson Nash, which I have an outstanding offer. If anyone who wants to read the book, I'll mail you a free copy. Just shoot me an email at harper at createtailwind.com. We all also put that in show notes. I wanted to get to know you for a couple of minutes, do a phone call, but I mail you a book 
And that's kind of the foundation and framework. And then this education we focused on first before looking at specific numbers. So people understand kind of what's going on and they understand the problem and how this is a solution, you know, to uh, people's holistic picture. But with, with that said, you got with the um, shortly background to where we just were, I just lost my train of thought. Sure. So basically looking at, you know, roughly in a rough sense, right. You have to buy in to obtain the policy yeah, and yeah, then yeah. like it, there's still some, I don't know if it's called seasoning, whatever. There's some amount of time until you can start pulling in and using that cash value to buy real estate or whatever you want to do. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. No, sorry about that. So no, no problem. yeah, we, we'll get our funds in there and that's kind of where you watch that video and that book will explain it too. But you watch that seven minute video and that'll show like policy design, you'll understand it. And you'll be like, okay, if I want X amount of dollars in there within X amount of years, here's kind of like rough numbers. And you can kind of, you know, figure it out kind of in your head. But once those dollars are in there, you pay your first premium. Once again, it depends on the, the product and it depends on uh, the company. But typically within say 30 business days of starting the policy, you can start taking a policy loan and start banking. So you can start doing it right away. Now at the beginning, just like starting a business, you're going to make an investment and you're not going to get all your money back in year one. It's the same concept where, you know, in the beginning years, you're going to have something which we call cash drag, where the amount of premium you're paying, you're not going to equal the amount of dollars in the cash value. That's kind of your investment in setting up this asset and vehicle in your tool belt. And there's a reason for that. And that video also dives into that when you watch it. But as you get that going, your cash will keep growing and they're all income tax free. And then, of course, we'll tie in the, the banking part of it. And that's how we grow our policy, make it bigger. And that can actually be used as a passive income vehicle later in life as well in the 0% tax bracket. Cool. Nice. Okay. So presumably, you know, if you're taking a loan against the policy and you have to start you know, paying that back at some point under some certain terms, presumably there are some types of real estate deals that are a better fit than others for these, you know, this type of strategy. I can imagine maybe a, a long-term development that is not likely to cash flow for a few years is, is a tough thing to justify compared to an apartment complex or self-storage that has built in place uh, cash flow. Would you agree with that statement, disagree, or what are your thoughts about that and choosing a particular type of real estate strategy for this Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So a lot of it is preference. And when you think of your policy and your cash value in there is where you're storing it, think of it as a checking account. So if you have dollars in a checking account, no one's asking where they're going. You can use it on what you want. It's the same thing here. Yes. When you do take a policy loan, it's going to be the insurance company's money and yours will never leave the policy, which means two things. One, you're going to get the otherwise same growth within your policy as you would if you leveraged against it in the form of line of credit or not. But when you do take that line of credit in the form of a policy loan from the insurance company, it's their proceeds and that money is not going to be free, right? Because yours over here off the side doing its own thing. But they're going to charge you, say, 5% currently simple interest. You're the banker. You control the repayment. You don't have to pay the interest back. But at least in the earlier years, we want to at least pay that back at every policy anniversary, right? But you're going to have your pile of money compounding uninterrupted tax-free. So if you take simple interest, you take uninterrupted tax-free, uninterrupted tax-free is going to beat the simple interest out over a longer period of time, right? But once again, you're getting used $2, right? You got to have your dollars here, and then you got to you know, leverage someone else's dollars to go, say, invest that in cash-flowing asset. Now, let's say we do a development. Say it's going to take 18 months to get your first distribution. Well, as long as you plan for that, it may make sense to take a policy loan and do it and say, okay, 
I'm going to budget and take the policy loan. I'll budget. Okay. I got to have this one interest payment during that time. So what I'll do is I'll just budget for paying that one interest payment from other income or something. And then when the development comes full cycle or whatever, maybe I'll get a refinance, I'll get a sale or some a good cash flow. And then start paying back that policy loan. And the policy loans, just like a line of credit. So every dollar you pay back, you're opening it back up to reuse it again. So you get to practice that velocity of money, just like a bank would, right? And keep using that same dollar over and over and over again. But keep in mind, your dollars are kind of offsetting your simple interest that is going to be uh, getting accrued as well. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. I think so. Yeah. So one of the things that's on my mind uh, lately, especially, I've been listening to this audio book. Uh, it's called Killing Sacred Cows by uh, Garrett Gunderson. And he, he talks a lot about insurance uh, in that book. It was recommended by a couple of former guests on this show. And uh, at least the part that I'm at right now, he's talking about term versus life insurance. And in this case, you're saying you have a, a specially designed life insurance policy. I know it's not term. Tell us about the, you know, the relative difference between the two of those and why in this case life is a, a a better deal yeah sure so you got yeah term life and whole life term life is going to be for a term right 10 20 30 years 15 whatever and you're just making a bet against the insurance company now most terms pay out one to one and a half percent of the time or less and i tell you what the insurance company is going to you know beat you at that bet you know 99 out of 100 <laughs> times right so one of their most profitable investments that they make and it's not i'm not saying that term is a poor idea to do. You want to be protected, right? But with the whole life, it's still a term. It's just for your whole life. And insurance companies bet 1000% for, you know, you dying, right? So like if they have a whole life, they got to budget that in there and the numbers. So that's part of why the premium's higher. Another part is you're also going to get cash value in there. And then there's other benefits with it as well. But to keep that premium, a level premium in a whole life contract, there's universal life, variable universal life, you know, uh, different products like that. We don't advocate for those because a lot of the insurance, insurance is about transferring risk too. You're paying a premium and you get these benefits and you transfer the risk to insurance company. That's really what insurance is. With universal life and uh, variable universal life and, and those products, you're not transferring as much risk as you think you are. And if you think you are, you should read the actual policy that you receive. You'll see that the guarantees aren't really there. So yes, there may be some more upside, but there's a hell of a lot more downside with it that you need to be aware of and, and kind of dive into. But with that said, the whole life is for your whole life. So it's just a longer term. But with term, when you pay those dollars, you never get to use those dollars again and they're out of your financial picture. With the whole life, you pay those dollars and you're going to get cash value. Yes, in the beginning, there's going to be some more expenses. You know, you're not going to have all your dollars recaptured in the beginning years, but you're kind of setting up an actual banking system that you can utilize as an asset in your tool belt. Mm, okay. And uh, another thing I wonder with with any strategy, right, is what happens if something goes wrong? If you if you take a you know a loan from the policy and invest in real estate and you know whatever the deal goes bust and you lose money on the deal and oh now I'm gonna have a hard time paying back that that policy. What happens? You know what are your what are your options since it's simple interest? Is there you know can you just keep making you know small payments till you pay it off? I mean what are some of those options if something goes wrong with a, an infinite banking type of uh, investment? Yeah sure. So first thing is whether you lose money in that real estate deal or not has nothing to do with your policy. That has everything to do with you and that investment. 
So by funneling it through a policy and say you had a policy loan, well, yeah, you could still just make the interest payments. And now you have a windfall room for maybe another refinance or other income you have coming in that you can kind of funnel back to pay back that policy loan. And you have a place where you can have tax-free, secure place for your uh, creditor-protected cash, right? Does that make sense? I think so. But you never want to you never want to over leverage. But if you're going to go do a, a real estate deal, we're not going to teach you, you know, how to, well, we'll show you how to make your lifestyle and your investments better with infinite banking, but we're not going to go tell you what deal to buy. That's on you, right? We don't coach you that. We're just going to coach you the banking process. Yeah. So, but we're not going to have someone over leverage. And that goes back to education. People are like, send me an illustration. Let me look at the numbers and I'll compare. I'm like, no, 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 no. You want to look at the actual system and an illustration could look better between companies, but it's like, let's, let's look at it this way. Let's say you have an illustration and you're like, well, this one's compounding 1% better and look how crazy it gets over the decades. Fantastic. But guess what? You're going to want to use your dollars, not let them just sit there. There's many more variables than just a piece of paper that's showing the projections. Like what if you had been paying in premiums for five years and you have a hundred grand and let's say you have your cash tied up in some other investments and you have none of your cash collateralized in this policy. And then someone calls you up and say, hey, I, I'm going through a divorce. I inherited this house. I got to sell it in a week. And you go, okay, I don't have the cash. So go, wait, I got it in my policy. And you take a policy loan for, say, that 50 grand for, for whatever that is. And then you flip it and you make 25 grand in two weeks and you send your, your 50 back plus your 25 in your policy, right? But you got to do it within a couple of business days to a week. Well, if the illustration was better growing at one or 2%, right? Or whatever it is, but it took you two weeks to get a policy loan versus two or three business days. Do you really care that you made another 1% in the policy? No, because you want access to your capital. So you got to look at the holistic picture and it goes back to really understanding what's happening and you'll know what to do and you know which company to go with. I'm not saying like our company is like an agency. I'm talking about the actual insurance company. We're independent agents. We'll work with two companies primarily. And we want to work with people who advocate for this process, support it, are okay with us taking policy loans and actually have products that work really well for this. And their home office is very quick and efficient, right? So hopefully that makes sense where you want to factor in other details. No, that does make sense. I can see the, um, especially in that case, when you need quick access to it, you want it to be uh, very liquid if you're planning on you know making some investments or shoot even if you wanted to um, invest in a syndication you might have to make a, a investment decision pretty quickly and you know get get the money moving so yeah that definitely makes a lot of sense okay and in that illustration you said take a loan of 50 grand go and you know, loan it out and then you get the the 25 back and put it back in the policy in that particular case is that I, I suppose one thing I'm missing is where the the tax-free growth really lies. Like, what is it, what part of this chain is growing tax-free? Because there's you know the tax man always steps in and gets paid somewhere. Yeah, so it's like a Roth IRA. When you pay your premiums, every dollar within the policy is going to be growing after tax, and it can be income tax-free as long as you have the right you know strategy. The policy loans are just a line of credit against policy, so there's two separate things, right? Now, let's say you have that line of credit and go invest in real estate and you go make 50% on your money. Well, you're going to get taxed on that, whether you use the policy or not, but all your growth within the policy would be tax-free. But what we do is when we take a policy loan, say that 5%, well, if you use it for, let's say, let's say uh, business, then shouldn't you be able to write that 5% off because the 5% you're not paying to yourself, you're paying to the insurance company, not CPA, not giving that you know financial advice there, but right? You got to like look at those things too. So there could be some benefits there. Then 
what we're going to do is we're going to charge us and amortize at a higher interest rate, more like market interest rates, say seven, eight, ten percent. So as those payments come back, we'll pay back first the policy loan interest and principal. And then we're going to shove additional paid up addition riders into the policy, which is like little mini policies within the policy that is buying that are paid up, which increases our cash value. And once those dollars are in there and they're growing, those are all tax free. And then you can reloan against those and keep doing the same process to where now your policy is going to grow and your death benefit is going to grow much bigger than otherwise would because you're you're pulling the policy into your you know financial picture and using both together. Hmm. Okay. Interesting. Cool. Right now, we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. All right, Harper, I've got three questions. I ask every guest on the show, are you ready? I'd say I'm good. I'm good to go. All right, good. First one, what is the best investment you ever made other than in your education? Out, other than my education? You know, and this may be too much education, like like related. If it is, I can answer differently. But when I started out, I tried to seek out like mentors and people who know what they're doing and things that I wanted to do, like in wholesaling or rentals. And I would go try to partner up with them and just offer them 50% splits, basically, even though I'm doing a lot of the work. And that tied me into building the relationships with all those people, you know, and, and understanding the process and stuff and learning from other people's mistakes much, much quicker, which also would tie me into uh, relationships is the core of everything I do. And I think relationships are the core of a lot of things in life, not just business. And so I, I, you could say invested, but I spend a lot of money going out to, to restaurants, pick up some tabs here and there, just, just always out and about, but I developed really strong relationships and those relationships, I'm not necessarily selling. Technically we're all selling, right. And selling ourselves. I look at it as educating, as talking and building a relationship because say I build 25 or 50 relationships. I'm like, okay, let's say 10 or 15% on average do business with me. I don't know who those people will be, but as long as these are the ideal people I want to be around that know, like, and trust me, people will refer business to and do business with people they know, like, and trust. So my objective is that. My objective is not to sell them, and I don't really have a motive there, and it ends up going a long way. Maybe it takes a little bit longer to kind of get that growth going, but you have those longer-term relationships that now make life so much more simpler and fun. Nice. I definitely appreciate that. And that's so uh, important here in real estate and many other businesses. So we had the best investment. Now we go to the worst investment. What is the worst investment you ever made? Whenever I get cocky and fool myself, I find a way to make less profit, uh, lose money, or (laughs) be a little unhappy. Yeah, I guess. Sure. So So it'd be kind of like, yeah, if, if that classifies, I would say that's that's where, and that doesn't have to be just business. You know, that could be personal where I feel like I'm the hot shit that day or whatever. Never goes well. People don't like that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. My favorite question here at the end of the show is what is the most important lesson you've learned in business and investing? Hmm. Let me think about that for a second. There's a lot. I mean, there's tons of things I've learned. And sometimes when you're put on the spot, I can't remember exactly, you know, but I'll give you a second. That's fine. Yeah. I, I really, I really would have to go back to not that I haven't kind of since the beginning, but I think that it's just like, just pour into relationships and try to add value more than value you would take. And that will really, you know, propel you in life and be around the right people. And that's just, that's just what I really, really try to focus on. And I look, I'm, I'm sure I leave plenty of deals and money on the table, 
but you know, I, I get to enjoy life with, with those people and be around so many cool people. And I know it'll, it'll come to fruition and those seeds that I'm planting are being watered. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Harper, thank you for joining us today, teaching us so much about the infinite banking concept. Like I said, we've talked about it on the show in the past, and I always like to get a refresher and help folks out there learn about it. And it's a great offer you made about providing the book to folks as well. That The book that started the fire. Uh, if folks out there want to get in touch with you, if they want to reach out, where can they do that? Where can they find you? Yeah, the best way would be harper at createtailwind.com. We have a podcast on createtailwind.com and you can kind of read about us some there. But you just want to shoot me an email, want to talk, talk shop about real estate, talk shop about uh, infinite banking. Or if you want that book, become your own banker, uh, just shoot me an email, let me know your address and uh, go from there and make sure it gets to you. All right, great. Well, thank you for joining us once again. To everybody out there, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying this show, please leave us a rig and review on Apple Podcasts. It's very much appreciated and helps other people learn about the show. If you know anyone who could use a little bit more passive wealth in their lives, please share the show with them and bring them into the tribe. As a reminder, we are now live streaming on YouTube. So if you'd like to join the conversation, live in the future, go look up the Passive Wealth Strategy on YouTube. Hit the like and subscribe button and smash that like button and we'll see you there in the future. Thanks for tuning in once again. I hope you have a great rest of your day and we will talk to you on the next one. Bye-bye.